The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Uh, it, it is truly an honor to be here. I, I got to tell you, it's really hard to get a preaching gig the Sunday after Easter because every pastor wants to be in the pulpit the Sunday after Easter. So it's truly an honor to be here. He is risen. He is risen Amen. Amen. We're in the story, and we are on uh, one of the most fascinating Old Testament character, characters to me. This is Solomon. This is King Solomon. This is David's son, Solomon. His father is King David. His mother is Bathsheba. If you don't know the David Bathsheba story, it's a great one to read with your mom sometime, just an intimate moment, you and your mom, reading through the David and Bathsheba story. Uh, Solomon here in the story we're looking at today is now king, um, but I thought it'd be fun to give you a, a modern equivalent to King Solomon, a modern person you all know and some of you really want to be like who could probably best resemble King Solomon. Are you ready? Go for it. The most interesting man in the world. The Sunday after Easter, you can show a beer commercial in church. It's okay. It's, it's okay. So he promotes those ekkies, and it's, it's, to me, it's one of the more interesting ad campaigns of all time because he admits in the campaign that those ekkies isn't really the best beer in the world. It's an okay beer. He doesn't always drink beer, but when he does, it's those ekkies. And with this ad campaign, they've come up with over a hundred descriptors of the most interesting man in the world. I'm not going to read all of them to you. But I know some of you are really curious about all the descriptors. You can borrow this after, after the, the gathering. Uh, the most interesting man in the world. Here's some of his descriptors. Superman has pajamas with his logo. Okay. Uh, this is appropriate after the David and Bathsheba uh, comment. Uh, he gave his father the talk. Thank you. I thought that was really interesting. His business card simply says, I'll call you. Uh, a bird in his hand is worth three in the bush. Okay. Uh, okay, last one, or, or for me, for now. Uh, his, organ, his organ donation card lists his beard. The most interesting man in the world. All right, some fun facts about King Solomon. Uh, if you will get your Bible out, and, and you're going to need a, a copy of the Scriptures, but if you will turn to the table of contents in the Scripture, I want to walk you through a couple of uh, places you're going to find Solomon in the Scriptures. He is born in the book of 2 Samuel. He is born in the book of 2 Samuel. His kingdom is detailed in 1 Kings, in 1 Kings. As you skip down to the book of Psalms, he wrote a number of the Psalms. He is a poet as well. Where after the book of Psalms, you have the book of? Guess who wrote the book of Proverbs? Guess who wrote the book of Proverbs? Good, okay, we're there. Um, after the book of Proverbs, you have the book of Ecclesiastes. Guess who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? After the book of Solomon, or after the book of Solomon, after the book of Ecclesiastes, you have the book Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Another great book to read with your mother late at night, just as you're getting ready for bed. 
uh, also written by Solomon. Solomon is arguably one of the most prolific writers of the Old Testament. Solomon had 700 wives. Because 701 would be ridiculous. Solomon had 300 concubines. If you don't know what a concubine is, another great question to ask your mother. Solomon is one of the most interesting men in the history of the world. He was a man who followed his father David, a man who was after God's own heart. But something went wrong. Something didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Let's pray. Uh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. All these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right, you need to meet Miley, the most interesting sixth grader in the world. Miley's going to be our Bible reader for the morning. Again, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'm going to rudely interrupt and stop and start Miley as we go through this story. My guess is you've heard this story before, but hopefully we can breathe some new life into it. Uh, Miley, hit it, starting at verse 1. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statues of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. The God, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. All right, stop right there, honey. If you've got your own copy of the scriptures, highlight that. God's word, God's word to Solomon, God's word to you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. This is what a loving father does. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. On Wednesday, I got to volunteer at Leilani, my other daughter's school. And, and as per tradition, after school on volunteer day, I take her to the magical place called Cups and Cones. At Cups and Cones, they serve coffee for mom and dad and ice cream cones for, well, mom and dad too, but mostly for kids. We get in there, it's after school, and she's used to not being able to get whatever she wants. She says, what can I get? I said, whatever you want. Her eyes get huge. And she orders one of everything. And I say, okay, how about one? Okay. Ask for whatever you want. Jesus echoes this same sentiment. Jesus says this, recorded in the Gospels. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will knock and the door will be opened to you. What is it you want? What is it you're looking for? Now, I, I know what you are thinking because I have the same thought when we read this story. I've asked for a lot of things and haven't gotten them. Amen? How come my friends who I love are burdened with cancer? Thank you for sharing that story. I, 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 
Again, I love what you guys are about as a church, serving, loving people who are going through difficult times. How can we have asked and how can we have not received, Lord, is your promise true? If this is true, if this whole ask and receive, seek and find, knock and open is true, shouldn't it change everything? There's no simple answers to this question. If I gave you a simple answer, it would be made up. But I will tell you this. R.C. Sproul, who's a theologian and professor, says that bad things happen to good people for the same reason that doctors give you medicine that doesn't always taste good. Life is challenging. Life is difficult. And still yet, in all of this, the command from Jesus, the, the, the promise given by God is ask. Ask. All right, let's keep going, honey. My father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart, you have continued. You have continued this great kindness to him and had given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours. All right, stop right there. Notice the humility of Solomon at this point. Uh, most historians and theologians believe he's about 20 years old when he assumes the throne of Israel. 20 years old. And he acknowledges up front, I don't know everything. I get to teach college students, and I always say the coolest thing about working with 19-year-olds is they know everything and I know nothing. Amen? A amen? Thank you, John Davis, for being bold. Good. Very, very good. And look at what he asks for in verse 9. Again, I encourage you to highlight, circle this. He asks for a discerning heart. A discerning heart. He asks for wisdom in this idea of a discerning heart. What would it mean for you and for me to have a discerning heart? How is the health of your heart? And we're going to talk about the physical heart health here in a little bit, but we're going to connect it ultimately to the spiritual. What does it mean to have a healthy, discerning heart? Now, before we get into that, though, uh, God's response is fascinating because God references the things he doesn't ask for. Miley, if you will, keep going. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there 
will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. All right, stop right there. Notice the three things he didn't ask for. He didn't ask for a long life. He didn't ask for wealth. And he didn't ask for the death of his enemies. This is extremely important in the context. Every other king, and there are documents and documents about Middle Eastern Asian kings of the time, as they are praying to their guys, or their gods, their guys, yeah, sure, as they are thinking about their own place in the world, and remember, a lot of them consider themselves to be God, themselves to be deity as well. This is their prayer. Give me long life, give me wealth, and give me the death of my enemies. This is the common, the ordinary, the normal prayer of kings at that time. Yet Solomon does not ask for these things. Solomon is more concerned with his heart, more concerned with his mind, more concerned with being the leader of God's people, and more concerned about selfless things than about selfish. So as you explore your own discerning heart, maybe that's the question you need to wrestle with. Is this ask, is this request, is it selfish or is it selfless? I, I love being asked by uh, college students uh, when they have a big decision to make, which direction should I go? Which choice should I do? Should I spend my summer serving God's people in Guatemala or in Botswana, Africa? How do you make a wrong choice there, to be really honest with you? And my response is always this, do the most selfless thing. Do the most selfless thing that by God's grace will be used to accomplish a mighty thing. When we focus on ourselves, when we focus on the long life, when we focus on the wealth, when we focus on the death of our enemies, we do not have a discerning heart. Now, in this response, God also gives a warning, Miley, if you will continue there, verse 13. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. All right, stop right there. This is the word of our Lord. Can we thank Miley for reading for us? You're all done, honey. Great job. Great, great job. Notice the words of God there in the very last verse that she read. Oh, I'm sorry, the second to last verse she read, verse 14. If you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. The wealth. The death of enemies is not contingent upon this, but long life is. If you walk in my ways and obey my statutes as your father David did. Let's look at heart health. And, and, and uh, uh, when Christy, my beautiful, amazing, wonderful, incredible wife, when she was pregnant with Miley, our firstborn, I went to go get a hospital, or I went to get a doctor checkup. And for the most part in my life, I've been a fairly healthy person. I got the chicken pox in fourth grade. I missed church once as a kid in the fourth grade because I had chicken pox. Do you guys know what chicken pox are anymore? Okay, fantastic. Uh, and the doctor calls me back a couple days later and says, I need to talk to you about some of your blood work. And I'm thinking, I'm not pregnant. That's weird. What's going on? And he calls me back and he says, you have got extremely high cholesterol. Is there any stress in your life right now? Uh, yeah. 
Now, some of it is because of, I, I, I'm blessed to have a Northern European ancestry, but as we talked about heart health, there are three keys to physical heart health that I want to also transfer into spiritual heart health. And the first one is this, diet. What you consume leads to a healthy or an unhealthy heart in both the physical and in the spiritual. What are you consuming? When I moved to Texas about six years ago, uh, my wife and kids were still in California, uh, finishing up school and packing up the house and, and doing different things. So I'm here by myself. I actually lived in the dorms. That's how pathetic I was at that. At that. Not that the dorms are pathetic. I didn't, I didn't, for me though, for me, though, it, at that time, it was really, really pathetic. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends here. It was the middle of summer, so you can't go outside because it's 185 degrees and it's humid. I didn't know what humidity was until I moved here. And I thought it would be a brilliant idea to watch a television show I knew my wife would never want to watch. So I bought the entire series of The Sopranos. <laughs> and I watched the entire series in a week and a half. My brain was the most unhealthy I ever remember it being. I remember thinking and feeling and expressing myself in ways that Tony Soprano and his gang would express themselves. Someone would cut me off and all of a sudden I'd become a mob boss. <laughs> and I would start yelling at them in very, very inappropriate ways. My friends, garbage in, garbage out. This is true in the physical. This is also true in the spiritual. What are you consuming? What is your diet? Now, please don't think I'm anti-Sopranos. I'm not. But there can be an overload to things such as this. But what are you consuming? People ask me all the time, how do I get closer to God? My guess is you have asked that question either internally or externally a thousand times in your life. How do I get closer to God? I want to grow in knowledge of him. I want to grow closer to him. I want to feel, I want to know, I want to experience him. How do you get closer to God? The interesting thing is we already know the answer. Time in his word. Time in prayer being about the things of God. We're looking for the magic pill or the silver bullet when the reality is time in his word will bring us closer to him. What is your diet like? Uh, thing number two is exercise. If you want a healthy physical heart, exercise. If you want a healthy spiritual heart, I would also suggest exercise. Go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Love the unloved. Serve those who need help. Don't look at, at, at life as coincidences or, or, or happenstance, but the people you come in contact with could be divine appointments for you to exercise your faith to strengthen your heart, to prepare you for whatever God's got next in your path and in your road. 
Now, the, the, the funny thing about exercise, and I've done this, I, I used to be an athlete in, in, in high school and college, and, and I, I've fallen away from exercise at times, and I've come back to it, and, and this happens to me all the time. Uh, I say, I'm going to get back into exercising, and I'm going to go run a thousand miles today. And then you sleep for the next four days. You can't do anything. You can't move. I think the same thing is true spiritually. If we go out and say, you know what, I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to go move to Africa for a year. Cool. But let's build ourselves up to that. Maybe let's take a moment here or a couple of days here or a week here. Let's build upon this and, and, and gain our endurance by God's grace and exercise what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to not just talk, to not just say we believe, but to actually put this into practice, to exercise our faith. The third thing about a healthy heart and I'll be honest, this is the one that I wrestle with the most. The third one is this, sleep. Sleep. If you want a healthy heart, physically, sleep. I read a book a few years ago called The Overload Syndrome by a medical doctor named Richard Swanson. And in it, he, he's exploring margin in life and how to have a more harmonious life with work and play and family and, and spirituality and all the things that are important to you. And in this book, one of the ideas that I really wrestled with, but he suggests if it requires or if you require an alarm clock to wake up in the morning, perhaps your life is not in line with God's plans for you. I hate mornings. This idea really hits me hard. I hate my alarm clock, but I need that to get me going in the morning. What Dr. Swanson suggests is perhaps that is because I am not getting the rest I need. Perhaps I need to go to bed earlier. Perhaps I need to uh, start relaxing my mind earlier so I can sleep better. If you want to have a healthy heart, you need to sleep. If you want to have a healthy spiritual heart, rest. This Sabbath idea is in the Ten Commandments. The funny thing about remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is that this commandment is one of the few commandments, dare I say the only commandment we brag about breaking. I'm so important, I'm so busy, I don't have time for a Sabbath. If you want a healthy spiritual heart, rest. So there was a time in the Gospels where Jesus' disciples were so busy, they did not have a time to eat. And they come to Jesus and they explain their exhaustion. They tell their stories. And Jesus says this, I love this. This is so profound, so simple and so, so complex all at the same time. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and I will give you rest. Hear the words of Jesus again. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and I will give you rest. 
What does it mean to you to rest in Jesus, to, to, to allow him to give you that rest? So I want to connect these three things, this idea of diet, this idea of exercise, this idea of sleep. I want to connect it back to the question that God asked in the beginning of the story. Ask for whatever it is you need, and I will give it to you. Maybe today you need some rest. Finals are coming up in two weeks. Rest would be good. Rest would be good. Maybe you need to think about your diet, and maybe you need to, to stop doing some things, some garbage things that are clouding your mind. Maybe you need to spend more time in God's word by his grace. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's time where, where last week on Easter, the, the, the resurrection hits you in a unique, new, and personal way, and now it's time to go live it. Now it's time to go be it by God's grace. What, what if we had these two things in harmony? What if, we, what if we explore what it meant to be healthy in our heart and at the same time boldly asked God, what if we could connect those together by his mercy and grace? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, the the, uh, the power of that resurrection that lives inside all who believe in you as Lord and Savior. Father, allow us to rest. Allow us to reflect on who you are and at the same time who you've dreamed us to be. Father, allow us to exercise. Allow us to get out there by your mercy and grace to be your hands and feet to love those who need to be loved, to serve those who need to be served, to truly be what it means to be a follower of you. And Father, our diet, as we explore our, our consumption and the things in our world, let us explore what it means to have a healthy heart. Father, as we wrestle with these ideas, as we explore these ideas, we, we confess all of our sin, all the things that we have done, at the same time, all the things that we have left undone, the good things that you prepared in advance for us to do that we have failed to do, all of these things, Father, we lay at the foot of the cross, trusting in your mercy and grace. So Father, right now, at this moment in this place, we're going to take you up on your promise and we're going to come with you by ourselves to a quiet place. And in so doing, we anticipate, we expect by your mercy and grace to receive rest. So for the next 60 seconds, Allow us to be completely quiet, just resting in you.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.